Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post podcast. Welcome to another episode of Off the Post. I'm your host, John Mattis of Post Media, and on the line today I have Ken Weeb of the Winnipeg Sun. He covers the Winnipeg Jets for Post Media. Ken, what's new? Oh, not much, John. Uh, just enjoying the the five-day break. Well, it's the Jets break. Not a break for me, but uh, five days without Jets hockey. Time to reassess where they are as uh, some teams get caught up in the old games played department. Yeah, no kidding. And it's kind of a perfect time to check in with you because there's no games going on and you can look back, you can look forward. It's, it's I guess, one of the only positives of this bye week. Every team seems to be losing off of the bye week. So we'll see what happens with the Jets. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the the big thing for them, as Paul Maurice kind of pointed out in Toronto the other night, uh, they're the only team in the league that's played 34 road games. So while their 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 chances are uh, certainly uh, slim in a lot of regards in terms of uh, catching the teams in front of them, they have had one of the toughest schedules, and the the toughest portion of those the schedule is already over for them. So. And I think the other thing that's interesting is that uh, like LA and Calgary play several times head-to-head, so there are available points, and the head-to-head matchups will ultimately determine uh, where they are at. Uh, obviously, it's an uphill climb for them, even though they're still on the periphery uh, of this race here, but Jets will need somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 14 wins out of 19 games. So for a team who's only won three in a row once, uh, it is certainly highly unlikely, but the Jets have been playing... Uh, better lately and a little bit more to their identity which is something that they really struggled with this year like you said they're they're running out of time real quick here that's an an insane amount of games you got to win down the stretch and i i hope for the sake of you know winnipeg fans and for the sake of a franchise that i hope does well that at the deadline kevil shovel day off stays put as he usually does he doesn't trade much but i hope he doesn't get too caught up in their recent uh success and uh goes ahead and tries to make it and then you know sacrifices some assets i don't think he'll do it but that would kind of be just the wrong route to take at this point in their season would you agree yeah i don't, I don't see the jets uh, going all in uh for lack of a better term here uh, i think they definitely could use uh some depth on defense i i could see a move similar to what calgary did and bringing in michael stone if you can bring in a guy to help bolster the third pairing, I could see something like that. But 
because of the expansion draft, I just don't see the Jets being super active. And, you know, in terms of their unrestricted free agents, it's not exactly a long list of hot commodities. Uh, you know, Drew Stafford has had an injury-plagued year and has not been nearly as productive as last when he had 21 goals. He's a guy I could see being moved out regardless, uh, you know, even though the Jets are still in contention. Uh, you know, he'd be a guy that could be some insurance for one of the uh, you know top teams or a contender, but the Jets would have to eat uh, at least half of the the salaries, like 4.35 million. So, and other than that, Andre Pavlik uh, had a little stretch where he looked uh, sharp, but you know, in all eight starts, he gave up three or more. So, uh, do, would a team view Andre Pavlik as a uh, you know more viable number two? Possibly, but I don't. Don't see there being a high demand for him either. Paul Postma is a pending UFA. He's you know career high in games played and assists, but you know maybe a team that's looking for a third pairing guy or a number seven uh, could look his way. But other than that, uh, I think Chris Thorburn is the only other UFA. So I don't see the Jets being super active unless they can find a defenseman that kind of fits the bill. And uh, complicating matters is the whole Tyler Myers injury situation. So. Only 11 games played this year, which has been a serious blow to the Jets. If Myers is in the lineup and he's somehow on your third pairing, the third pairing woes are probably solved. But, you know, because he just had the recent surgery, uh, I, I think it's groin. It was never, you know, said, uh, you know, at least not to us. Um, there was an outside chance Maurice, uh, Paul Maurice said he could be back before the end of the season. But, you know, when a guy hasn't played since November 11th, it uh, would be hard to count on him uh during those uh, stretch drive months. Yeah, so uh, according to what you just said in that, that mini monologue there, the Jets don't even really have many trade trip, trade chips. I can't talk. <laughs> well, the one guy I think it's been interesting uh, to monitor, Matthew Perot, had a, quite a resurgence here in the last little stretch, but uh, complicating matters with him is uh, he's just about to go into a hit the new portion of the contract extension that he signed in the summer. It's a four-year deal worth $16.5 million. So he'd be a perfect fit for the Montreal Canadiens if he was a pending UFA on an expiring contract in terms of you know adding some secondary scoring. But for them, uh, they're not. I don't think they can fit that in under the cap. So, and the o- the only reason the Jets would move Perot potentially is because of expansion, but. In making some calls this week around the league and in, in working on one of my expansion drafts to look into the crystal ball, uh, a smart person mentioned to me that you got to be careful with that line of thinking also because if you're trading a guy now, you're still going to lose a player at the deadline. So you kind of, you, you almost can't outthink yourself, John, where where you think, oh, I better get an asset for this guy, but next thing you know, you've lost that player, and now you're going to lose another player still to Las Vegas. So it was uh, something that was that I found quite interesting, and I wish I had thought of it myself. Well, I think that's a sentiment that's being shared across the league, where when Vegas was announced and when the expansion draft rules were released, everyone's going, okay, let's count you know, all our, all our chickens and, and see what what we can do here, how we can maneuver and how we have to prepare before the trade deadline. But then it sounds like most teams are going, let's think about the here and now let's get through the season. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll address this expansion draft when it arrives. Cause otherwise you're just kind of 
you're over like you said overthinking it and kind of playing yourself into a corner where you're losing guys for no reason yeah and exactly and I, we see it today with Pittsburgh saying they don't have any plans to move Marc-Andre Fleury uh, a couple teams looking for goaltenders were kind of hoping that the Penguins might uh, you know panic for lack of a better term and uh, move him right now but I think again from talking to hockey personnel guys around the league uh, they think that the busy time is really going to be in that June period between uh, the end of the Stanley Cup final and uh, when you have to submit your list. I think that's when we're going to see come some of these last-ditch moves. And, and even then, I just don't think there's going to be as much uh, movement as people think. And even leading into this last week here, I just don't see a ton of movement. Uh, and I think the trade deadline shows uh, there are going to be some moves for sure, but... There's too many teams uh, that are on the periphery in both East and the West that think they're still in it. Uh, you know, maybe they shouldn't, but there's too many teams that think they're still in it, and I don't see any of those panic-style moves. Uh, and even the rental market is going to be interesting. And the other part is that if you're going to lose this player in two months or in uh, you know in June again, you know what what are you going to give in order to get them? And all, all we've heard in terms of the room reel is astronomical prices for Matt Duchesne and and companies so I don't know I think we'll just see more minor deals uh, you know like the one we saw today uh, Pittsburgh has a need on defense they go out and get Ron Hainsey a veteran who has not been to the playoffs uh, in 890 plus games and you know I covered Ron here in Winnipeg and good for him uh, to get a chance to go to a legitimate Stanley Cup contender he's waited a long time and I think he's going to be a guy that can really help the Penguins uh, third pairing just with being a smart puck mover and still having some mobility. Now, if we get back to the Jets and, I guess, forget about the trade deadline because it doesn't look like they're doing much, um, let's let's just assess their season as a whole. I mean, if I'm thinking off the top of my head, they're around two-thirds of the season, maybe even further than that, and their record is 28-29-6. They have 52 points. Their goal differential is, is pretty ugly at, at minus yep. 15 uh, and they're fifth in the central. They're 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 in the playoff hunt, but they have so many games in hand over other teams that, like like we've discussed, the uh, the chances are very slim that they're going to make it. How would you assess their season so far? Underachieving, overachieving, uh, as expected. I think I know the answer, but I'll throw it to you. Yeah, uh, you know, John. To me, the Jets were a bubble team going into the year, so they're still a bubble team. Uh, maybe they're a little bit further behind than what they had hoped for, but it's easy to pinpoint uh, the reasons for that. Their goaltending has continued to be subpar, and that is partly related to the fact that their commitment to the defensive zone has been lackluster. They take too many penalties, and their penalty kill is not very good. So when you're looking at that combination, uh, it's a challenge and uh, you know again all, a lot of teams in the NHL have had injury concerns but uh, the Jets uh, have been hit quite hard they lost Brian Little in the first period of the first game four shifts in uh, their back end has been uh, decimated might be a stretch but they've been under attack and uh, Jacob Truba being out of the lineup for the first 15 games of the year with the contract stalemate was a massive blow for this team, uh, especially considering how well Truba has played since he's returned. He, he's essentially become their number one defenseman. Uh, there's still nights when Bufflin has more minutes and has more power play time, but uh, Truba's just been fantastic this year. So 
Uh, in a long-winded way, I think the Jets are similar to where they expected. I think that uh, they overestimated their backup goaltending to a certain degree. Uh, Michael Hutchinson continues to be an incredibly hard worker, but he just is not performing at the level he did in the first uh, year and a half as an NHLer. So for Connor Hellebuck, he's a first-year starter, essentially. He had 26 games last year, but he needed a little... With a veteran backup, John, I think the Jets could be above the playoff line. Uh, and again, I'm not just putting it all in the goaltending because there are some other concerns, but uh, I think the Jets are very similar to where they were expected to be. Like I said, bubble team, if all things go well, or a lot of things go well, some of those things didn't go well, and as a result, they're uh, on the outside looking in, at least for now. All right, many things to unpack there. Let's start with the goaltending. Sure. So when I look at their crease, it's a a mess. I mean, Connor Halbick, yes, he could turn into a starting goaltender, a league average or above goaltender, which is what you want. I mean, you don't need... Gary Price, you don't need Hendrick Lundqvist. If you have a quality goaltender that can win you, uh, you know, two out of three games, then that's great. But and and like I, the jury's out on him. But at the same time, you 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 expected him to kind of grab grab that job and really run with it. So I guess you know he he has a second chance on the horizon and and down the stretch, he obviously is going to be given his starts. But yeah. after that, I mean, what's what's the short and long term answer? Like Hutchison hasn't really impressed his career save percentage is 908 that's not good yeah. enough Pavlik is the, I think the organization finally came around on him and went this is not an NHL goalie at best a backup and they've kind of treated him that way this year it took him a while to come around but it, it's happened so at least they've moved on from that um, he's still within the organization obviously uh, but long term I guess it's Hallebeck or, or bust or, or not necessarily bust but or reassessment yeah, I would, you know, they have Eric Comrie with the Manitoba Moose. He's had a pretty solid year on a team that struggled uh, again uh, near the bottom of the AHL standings. I don't think he's ready for next season. Uh, if I'm Kevin Chevaldeoff, uh, I'm looking to upgrade my backup situation. And, and again, it's up to him whether he thinks he needs a bona fide number one or if he needs a 1B or do you want it to be an open competition for that starting job. I think Hellbuck is the long range plan, pardon me, as the starter. And I think he deserves that. Uh, you know, I've let, this is an apples and oranges comparison, but I went back and looked at Carey Price's numbers from his first year as a starter. They weren't great. And his pedigree is a lot higher than Connor Hellebuck's. So Hellebuck is a late bloomer. He deserves to still be in the consideration for the number one job. And I think long range he gets it. But if I'm Kevin Chivaldeoff, I bring in the best backup or backup plus that I can find. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to go out and spend what it takes to bring in the next Cam Talbot or Martin Jones, but whether it's Michael Neuver or, you know, somebody of that ilk, or if it's Brian Elliott, uh, you've got to have somebody who can push for somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 starts and can give you above average goaltending. It just We've talked about it a lot. The only year the Jets had above average goaltending uh, Andre Pavlik had a 9.20 save percentage and a 2.20 plus goals against. They made the playoffs that year, but that year itself, Andre Pavlik lost the starting job for a long stretch to Michael Hutchinson. So it's uh, it's been an issue in the crease. And again, I've said this a lot. It's not all goaltending, but the goaltending has to be at a league average level or above in order for this team to be successful right now. So. 
There's no easy answer on who's number one going into the year. I don't see the Jets going a Ben Bishop route where you're going to have to pay somebody, uh, lock him in for five years, unless Hellebuck uh, falls flat in his face during the last 19 games. And based on how he's played after his reset, I don't see that happening. But I do see a definite need for a number one B here. I, li- I like that angle, the number one B, and sort of stabilizing it while Hellebuck gets used to the NHL, while yeah, he exactly. throws. That, ma- that makes a lot of sense. Uh that if I'm a Jets fan hearing that as opposed to my doom and gloom, uh, that, that sounds a lot better. Let's talk about Truba. You mentioned him before and sort of talked about his situation quickly. Uh, looking at his numbers, he's definitely improved this year in terms of you know how many points per game he's, he's going to end up with. Uh, he's The whole thing with him, at least from, from my memory, if I'm not mistaken, was that he wanted more ice time. He's only getting like two more minutes a game. I don't know if that's... Is he happy? Is Truba a happy camper now? Well, I think, you know, just you'll never really get the uh, full truth without the truth serum, John. But to me, in my conversations with Jacob Truba, he seems happy with his expanded role. Uh, It was, you know, again, we're taking his word at face value. He wanted to play on the right side, which is his natural side, and he wanted to have a larger piece of the pie. So year before, he was already third in ice time. This year, he's second in ice time. To me, for a guy who is not on the first power play, to be able to add two and a half minutes average to your time on ice, I think that is a substantial difference. And he is being used on the second power play unit and showing signs. So I I don't know that Jacob Truba is going to get... He's almost at 25 minutes a game. Uh, you know, Again, there's a lot of teams in the NHL that need high, high-end defensemen. But is he going to find a situation where it's better for him? I mean, Dustin Bufflin's had an up-and-down year here. I think he's he's really the pressure of the big-ticket contract, although he probably would never admit it. I think it's been a factor. Uh, the risk-reward element of Dustin's game has gone sort of... The pendulum has swung back the other way after kind of getting it under control last year. I think he's tried to do too much. Most of his mistakes come from wanting to do too much, like the other night in the game-winning goalie in Salips. So that's allowed Truba to take a bigger chunk. And Jacob's always said to me that he wants to be an elite number one defenseman. And I think you could make the argument that he's the Jets' number one defenseman now. Could he go elsewhere and do that? Of course. But if I'm Jacob Truba, I'm looking around... If the organization brings in a couple more pieces, this is a team that could contend for a long time, and he'd have a very big responsibility in that. So unless there's a uh, deeper-rooted issue that we are unaware of, um, I I think the Jets could eventually convince him to sign long-term, but that means uh, handing out a long-term deal somewhere in the $7 million range. He hasn't earned it yet, but he's gone back to showing that I think he can be a legitimate number one defenseman in the NHL. Well, Paul Maurice is definitely trusting him. He's got three minutes on the penalty kill a night, and they don't just yeah. give away those minutes, those valuable defensive minutes to guys that are just kind of on the fringe or just not no, good. Right. It's uh, clearly Maurice uh, has a soft spot for him at this point. Uh, okay, let's let's shift forward and, and talk about the forwards and the the incredible duo that's up front and really sort of taking the league by storm this year, Mark Shifley and yep. Patrick Line. Uh, Line just, whenever I watch him, I think of Ilya Kovalchuk and just that release and the timing and the way that he kind of carries himself on the ice and 
Yeah, he's got a ridiculous shooting percentage right now, 19.9, so 20%. He's scoring on one every five shots. That just doesn't happen. That's going to come down. I don't know how far. Pro- I mean, he's obviously a great shooter, so maybe it comes down to 15 for his career or or over the next couple of years. I guess we'll see what happens. But 30 goals in 55 games to start your career is uh, is pretty phenomenal, and obviously he's getting uh, the Calder trophy uh, praise that he deserves and we'll see i guess what happens with austin matthews and mitch marner and zach Wierenski. such a good rookie crop but you know him him and shifley obviously shifley's become a, a cornerstone of the team and one of the best players in the league really uh having those guys up f- two guys up front that seem like absolute locks to be uh, stars absolute superstars in the league long term i mean it's those are great building blocks yeah, no doubt about it. Nikolai Ehlers, I think you could throw into that pile too uh, in terms of the young, dynamic players they have. He's gone through a little bit of a dry spell in terms of goal scoring, but already 20 goals as a second-year pro. So he's taking strides. Uh, the one thing, too, I know for sure, Line A does have a lot of those qualities, but to me he's going to be a little bit more like Ovechkin, but a maybe a better passer. He's got better vision. Uh, sure, the the shooting percentage numbers could go down, but this is a guy that's always going to get great looks. And because of just the quick release of the power of his shot, I think he's going to be a consistent uh, 30 to 50 goal guy. And, and those guys are so hard to find. The, the biggest thing that the Jets have been lacking in the first five years since the relocation is a pure sniper. And it's something we saw in, a, in the game against Dallas, the last home game before this road trip. In a tie game, uh, Shifley wins a draw to the right of uh, the Stars netminder, Antti Niemi. The puck is laying there for one second. He puts it on in tight on his body, wrist shot, wrist shot high glove. I mean, they just don't have a dynamic sniper like that. And Liney has been every he has come exactly as advertised. And he's only going to get stronger. And the reason I mention Ovechkin is just because he's got a little bit of the physical element to his game. It hasn't been there as often since the concussion, but he has that element. When you throw 10 to 15 more pounds of muscle onto that frame, I think he could just be continued to be a dangerous uh, sniper. And in terms of Shifley, uh, I don't think he's under the radar anymore, but he's still under the radar in some markets, John. Uh, it's not every day that Mike Babcock is throwing praise like that, like you saw the other morning around. Uh, this guy is an incredible student of the game, a hard worker, uh, he just eats up every element of hockey. He can't watch it enough, which in today's game, there are not a lot of old-school players that watch other teams. Mark Shifley can give you the scouting report of all 30 teams in the NHL, and he can't get enough, and he is continues to push himself to get better. And for a guy that at one point Jets fans were kind of wondering, who's this guy? Uh, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, John, I had, Sean Kutur- I had the Jets select Sean Couturier at seven overall, written in my timeline for Twitter, and all I was going to do was push send. And when they said Mark Shifley, I was among the many that said, who? Uh, uh, he didn't. I didn't come across him in many of my draft uh, preview work, uh, yeah. but he's been just awesome. So, I, I, I distinctly remember him coming on strong at the end of the year and sort of sure. starting to make his, his way into the draft list and the draft rankings, but never sort of a top 10 consideration. And then he goes like kind of suddenly to, uh, to the jets. So, you know, you got to tip your hat to them uh, in terms of who they really got a, a really good, uh, you know, quality piece out of 
Well, that was seventh overall, I believe. Yeah, and and they, obviously there's a relationship with Dale Howarchuk and uh, yeah. some of the guys there that really helped in that. And I know Mark had an outstanding U18 tournament that year, and he was more of a project pick though. Like this was a guy that two years previous was playing tier two junior hockey, so there was a risk element involved. But and I love Sean Couturier's game. I think the Jets would have been fine to get him on their team as well, and he would be a very useful player. But they were looking for a bona fide number one center to complement uh, with Brian Little, who is an underrated piece. Uh, you know, on the flip side, we talked about the youth, but Little and Brian Little and Blake Wheeler are great veterans uh, with this group. Uh, hardworking guys, kind of. They're more than just uh, meat and potatoes guys, but they're guys you can really count on. And they're having you know, Little, especially uh, you know, 17 goals. Uh, since his return he's been outstanding and Wheeler's having another strong season here again as a captain done a great job in the leadership front and just plays hard every night and although his production has tailed a bit from last year when he was tied for sixth with Johnny Gaudreau in the NHL in scoring uh, he's having another productive year he's tracking for you know 25 goals again and he'll be probably above 60 points so you know those guys have been great Uh, a lot of their Top prospects are forwards. You got Kyle Connor and Jack Roslevic uh, down in the minors at the Manitoba Moose. Uh, Connor started the year with the Jets, and those two guys will be knocking on the door uh, in the fall. And they've had a, a, a very useful third line with Joel Armia, Adam Lowry, and former Leaf Sean Mathias. And forward, they're pretty set there. And I'm very curious if, in the summertime after the expansion draft is over, if the Jets might move one of those young pieces or try to bring a, a top four left shot D-man into the fold. Uh, It would be a bold move, but it's the kind of move I think the Jets will require in order to take that next step. Yeah, let let me just have one last uh, word about Shifley. I I, I had to look it up because I could have sworn I saw some sort of stat like this on Twitter the other day. So since the calendar turned to 2016, uh, he's only behind Sidney Crosby in even strength points. Crosby is 92. It goes all the way down to 82 for Shifley. But then after that, it's Patrick Kane at 77, Connor McDavid 75. So he's like, in terms of even just production, not necessarily like the eye test or, or, you know, underlying numbers, like actual just even strength points, very easy, you know, numbers to look at. He's right up there in the upper echelon. And he's really coming into into focus, I guess, nationally and, 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 you know, whatever, around the continent as of the last year and a half or so and obviously the world cup he was great there so not not we can set we can talk about Shifley all day and and like you mentioned Blake Wheeler is right up there as as a very much a core member of the the forward group Matthew Perot you you, you mentioned he he's a maybe a guy that gets moved but he's also yeah, I think a, he's gonna stay yeah. yeah well he's a really good complimentary top six guy in my opinion yeah yeah perfect kind of either Second, if he's on your second line, he can be very effective. He's very effective with skilled players. And if Matthew Perot's on your third line, it just means that you have an additional amount of depth out there, and then he'll help you on the power plays. So, yeah, it's fascinating. The one last thing about Shifley, too, uh, this guy's an incredible worker. Uh, he cannot get enough of the Gary Roberts summer training. Uh, he hired Adam Oates' uh, skills coach, uh, I think it was before last season. And, you know, while most people were, uh, you know, enjoying the Christmas break uh, in a warm climate. Uh, Mark spent some time at Starbucks uh, looking at video clips with Adam Oates. Like, this That's is a awesome. guy that cannot, cannot get enough hockey and is really driven to succeed. I think 
I think it was his second year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in one of the scrums, he mentioned how he wanted to become one of the best centers in the league. And it wasn't said in a cocky sense, John, but it kind of was one of those things where you're like, ooh, maybe you need to pump the brakes a little bit, young yeah, uh, yeah. young man. But that's the kind of determination and will this guy has to, to become uh, one of the great players. And he's taken some incredible strides. Uh, obviously, his two, two-way game is not quite at the same level as Brian Little, which, again, that has a lot to do with his experience. But this guy is already a star, and uh, he's going to be a superstar, even from talking to coaches around the league. Uh, he's the guy that, although everyone wants to talk about Patrick Laine, a lot of coaches are saying, hey, don't forget about Shifley, whether it was from the World Cup or the World Championship. Uh, he's definitely a player on the rise for the Jets. Before this turns into the Mark Shifley podcast, <laughs> uh, let's move on. So the, the the Jets' offense has been fine this year. They're ninth in the league in goals yeah. per game, 2.89. That's that's high, even though it doesn't seem like a, like a high number. Uh, but the defense, you know, if you look at complete other side, goals against yeah. per game, it's 27th, 3.14. And then special teams just hasn't been good enough. You're grabbing a drink right now, aren't you? <laughs> oh, it's just the water. It's just the water. I've been talking so much, i got to keep the throat uh, from scratching up here. I could really hear it. That was hilarious. Um, and then th- their special teams, 20th power play, 27th PK. Do you yeah. do you pin that on personnel or on Paul Maurice, the special team struggling? Uh, you know what? Uh, the Jets have really struggled on the penalty kill since Michael Frelick, uh departed for the Calgary Flames. Uh, that's the kind of guy super versatile, using on all situations guy. They really missed him, and I think that was one of the, the bigger mistakes of the Kevin Cheveldayoff era. And not the year that he was going into UFA. It was the summer before where they had a deal that was very close, but they weren't sure on the money because, you know, for leaks, a fourth liner with Chicago. Is he a third liner or is he a second liner? That was the, the trouble they had determining and they weren't willing to pay him. I think the number was around $4 million at the time. And, uh, you know, again, with the benefit of hindsight, it was a move they should have made. He was a younger player than Drew Stafford. Um, but they just didn't get that done. And, and that's been a huge blow for them. And they just haven't had enough of those third and fourth line guys who are on the penalty kill. And every every successful NHL team needs your bottom six forward group to be able to kill penalties so that you're giving a, a rest to their their four top-end forwards. I think their forward group, the Shifleys, the Wheelers, uh, Brian Littles, they're, they need a, to be taking a rest during those penalty-killing minutes, and instead they're often finding that they just don't have, not that they don't have enough gas left, but they're expending a lot of energy killing off penalties. So because the Jets haven't been able to roll four lines as often because of injuries partially and because they haven't had a fourth line, that Paul Maurice can trust to play that to 10 to 12 minutes. It's really impacted them in that regard. Uh, power play, obviously, it's better than last year. Line A obviously helps, but there are still stretches where they could obviously do more. They have weapons, but they haven't found the rhythm. But, again, they're bringing in Jamie Compon this year. He has a pretty big hand in the power play. I understand it's improving, but has more room for improvement. So, ultimately, Paul Maurice says uh, special teams are on him, so he certainly has to... Uh, bear part of the responsibility for that but I think a lot of it John to me a lot of it is execution it's easy to say oh the coach needs to be better but every coach is better if he has better goaltending and if he has better at execution in my opinion yeah I was just about to chime in and say so if we're assessing Paul Maurice he's in his third year with the team I guess 
third and a half because he took yeah. over for uh, Claude Noel. Yeah. yeah. So they made the playoffs in 2014-15. Didn't last year. They're probably not this year. There's a very high chance they do not make the playoffs. Right. Given what he has, you know, doesn't have a quality starter, is lacking depth at forward and defense. Do you think, you know, he's a, he's a guy that should be worried for his job, or do you think the organization still really likes him and, and is going to kind of see it through with him? Yeah, to me, one of the things that kind of has been overblown in the should Paul Maurice be fired debate, which, you know, it is happening to a certain degree among the fan base here, is that the Jets took made an organizational, organizational decision to get younger after they made the playoffs, knowing that they were swept by the Anaheim Ducks. They thought they were close. They went with youth and inexperience. And I'm not blaming it all on the youth either, but they took they took time to reset after that year. So to me, although, of course, the Jets would have loved to make the playoffs last year, and for a franchise going into its sixth year and that one that hasn't won a playoff game in franchise history, you want to see progress. But I do see progress here, whether they make the playoffs or not. To me, Paul Maurice is far more likely to be extended in the offseason than he is to be fired, unless they fall flat on their face. And even then, I think they'd have a longer conversation. But at the end of the day, I think coaches get fired for underachieving or not having it. The it's same about day. wins, right? I mean, that, as much yeah, as no, it doesn't no, make that, sense, it's, it's about yeah, wins. <laughs> I understand why people want a bit more, but I just, I just don't think that – if you look at – I tell people this way: If click on Toby Enstrom's hockey DB and see how many coaches he's had in, the, in his ten seasons, the Thrashers changed coaches a lot, and the Jets have changed coaches once already. And the one constant is they've been losing a lot. So, to a certain degree, the coach has to wear some of that responsibility. But at the end of the day, I think in this case, continuity is a far better path for the Jets to take. I'm not saying. Keep him in for the sake of keeping him and continuity, but I think Paul Maurice is a smart guy. I know his career record is around a 500 coach, and that's what he's been in Winnipeg. But I think with the right pieces and better goaltending, I think a lot of people think would think Paul Maurice is a very good coach, and I don't think the Jets are ready to give up on him yet, even though there are some intriguing other options available. I think Paul Maurice has worked hard at becoming a better coach and bringing new ideas after having some trouble in Carolina and Toronto. And I think that he has taken this group to a place they had not been since 2007 when he had a proper personnel. And I think he can lead them to the playoffs again. Can he get them to be a Stanley Cup team or a Stanley Cup contender? That I don't know. But to me, he need, he will be given another year for sure of benefit of the doubt. But if the Jets are having the same problems next year at this time, we're probably having a different discussion. Right. I I see a lot of similarities between the Jets situation and the Flames. Not not from a coaching perspective, but where they are oh, in their development. Sure. Just yeah. the, the really high-end forwards and then good pieces on the back end. And then goaltending is the real weak spot. And just the way that they're pushing forward, but not you know at full flight. I, I just... I look at both teams. Like I had Eric Francis on the podcast yep. to do a very similar state of the union. And there's, there's just so many things that you can put in both, both te- put both teams in the same bin in terms of roster construction and the way that their development is going and the bumps along the road and yeah. how, how on paper they don't seem that far away, but there's still uh, nothing ever goes as planned. Yeah. And the, 
we talked about that in Penticton at the Young Stars Classic, a bunch of the media guys and uh, even some Flames staffers. Uh, you know, I I pegged both the Jets and the Flames as bubble teams, uh, and you know, conceivably right now that's where they are. They do have. There are a lot of parallels. There are a lot of similarities. There are a lot of similar issues, and whoever can kind of get them ironed out first is probably going to get that playoff spot. Nashville is the other team to me that is the big wild card in this uh, scenario. I know we're talking more about wild, or more about wild card, but to me, Nashville is the team that it's going to be either one or the, one or the other. They're either going to figure it out and go on a run or they're the team that could fall back and open up an opportunity for somebody uh, to claim one of those spots, in my opinion. But for sure, both fan bases are asking a lot of the same questions, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see who get... I, I only see one of them getting in this this year, if at all. Or No, I do see one of them getting in. I just It'll be hard for both of them to make it unless Nashville falls flat on their face. Yeah, Nashville's ahead of the Jets in the central. So that's basically the Jets. Uh, Hail Mary is, is to see them fall and, you know, the, the Jets rise and, and the, everything would have to go perfectly. How's exactly. uh, how's the weather in Manitoba? Because I know Patrick Line was looking forward to the <laughs> quote unquote warm and, and sunny five day break there. Yeah, it has been warm and sunny. It was only wow. about minus four today, but uh, we've had some above zero temperatures. Uh, Festival de Voyager has been on, and the ice sculptures were melting. Uh, we had plus That's nine, a big I think, plus, plus eight or nine on the weekend. So it has been a very mild winter here, John. Uh, a lot of the players, first-timers, even Sean Mathias is a great example. He came up to me one day in the room after the interview sessions were over and said, this, this is it. All I heard about how crazy cold Winnipeg was, uh, this has been mild. And uh, much like the first year uh, since relocation, uh, it's been one of the milder uh, winter's on file here, so everybody's happy about that. Same here in Toronto. Apparently, it's today. Today's the 23rd of February. There's never been a hotter February 23rd in Toronto. So I guess global, you know, climate change is occurring right now. Yeah, and and Liney was he has a great sense of humor, but he probably wasn't kidding. Like this is a guy <laughs> that when he's in New York, or when he was in LA for the All Star Weekend. He's playing PlayStation. Uh, he's not out uh, seeing the sights, uh, touring around. This guy loves hockey, and uh, he's trying to get better while playing PlayStation. So it's uh, a, a new breed, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ken, I, I really appreciate you coming on. And I guess uh, the last case of uh, business here, What? how can people find you? I guess through your Twitter? Yeah, sure. You got uh, Weeb Sun Sports uh, on Twitter or Kweeb at Pulse Media. Oh, now you're going to get me here. Is it? It's dot com, I think. It's dot com. You are correct. You bet. Good talking to you, John. Thanks for having me.